welcome everybody. Today is Wednesday, March. Now it's Thursday, March 2nd. And you are with Anchored in Hope with Father Larry Richards. I am Father Larry Richards. This is Pope Francis behind me. Oh, his uh, thing anyway. I love it. He has, uh, I met a parish, St. Cecilia's Parish in Oakley. Uh, uh, it's in Cincinnati, Ohio. And the pastor is the antique collector and he has great stuff all over the house. And so this happens to be in the room I have with the uh, with the desk. So I put him back there so he can be looking over my shoulder to make sure I don't preach any heresy or anything today. Huh? So first thing we got to do is pray in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, we're so grateful for all the things you do for us, for your presence in our lives, for your loving us, for your sending son, your son Jesus to die for us. Father, we just ask you to embrace us and help us to know your great love and give us the grace to fully respond to your love and be an instrument of your love to everybody we meet. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Mary, Mother of Jesus, pray for us. Good Saint Joseph, pray for us. And your Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Okay, I'm still trying to get this on my uh, video here online, but we will be fine, I am guessing. So today is March 2nd, and we are going to be dealing with uh, Holy Orders today. And uh, then I'll do that for the first half hour as always. And then we will move on to questions and answers after that. Uh, I'll be back in Erie, God willing, next week. Today, I am at, like I said, St. Cecilia's Parish. Today's the last night of the mission. Been a full house every night by God's grace. Uh, the people have been fantastic. The priests here, the priests here are very fantastic. Both great guys. Um, treated me quite well. And uh, so tonight's the last night. Tonight's the night of adoration and healing. So again, if you're in the Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky, then I encourage you to come tonight. It starts at 7 p.m. at St. Cecilia Church in Oakley, uh, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, uh, Ohio. So here we go. Today also is uh, my, my mother's first anniversary of her death. Um, so I prayed for her this morning, of course, and my stepfather called me and he said, you know, it's a hard day. I go, yeah, I know it's a hard day. So, but like I've said a million times, heaven is nicer than Pittsburgh. So now, uh, God willing, she gets to look down on all of us and uh, praying for us. I have been sick with a sinus infection uh, and so I'm still not over it. I'm better by God's grace. I've been taking Mucinex and that to get through it. But last Saturday, I absolutely lost my voice when I was in Victoria, Texas at the men's conference. Some people think it was because I was screaming, but it had nothing to do with me screaming. It had to do with my, uh, <laughs> with my loud voice, you know, and I was getting, oh, I get so excited, you know, and so that's what was happening. And uh, let me just take turn off. That's what was happening. See, there you go. So we, uh, it's, it's, I think it's all the flying because when I fly, my ears get so clogged up and then my sinuses and I, uh, it takes me forever to get them unclogged. No matter what I did, blow my nose, whatever, it just doesn't work. So anyway, whatever it was got infected, but I'm not as uh, bad as I was. So, you know, God has a plan and he doesn't tell me what that is half the time. So anyway, let's go into... Uh, holy orders. Okay, what we're what we need to be doing is remember again a definition of a sacrament. Definition of a sacrament is an outward sign instituted by Christ that gives grace. So, what is the outward sign of ordination? It's the laying on of hands and, of course, the words of uh, consecration. Uh, but again, it's very ancient. Uh, practice in the early church. We talk about in Acts 6, 6, the apostles prayed over them and laid hands on them. Acts 13, 3, they laid hands on them and sent them off, you know, and so uh, 
That's one of the ways they've always done from the very beginning already in Acts the Apostles. So the laying on of hands and the instituted by Christ is in Luke chapter 22, verse 19. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19. In Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Did you get that? Luke chapter 22, verse 19. Here, Jesus at the Last Supper says, Then taking bread and giving thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body for you. Do this in memory of me. And so Jesus explicitly tells the apostles that you must do this. And so these are the words of institution. And what happens is when a priest gets ordained or a bishop gets consecrated or a deacon gets ordained, there's a ontological change that happens, meaning that the being of the priest is different. Now, an ontological change also happens at baptism. So when a person isn't baptized and a person after baptism, their being now has changed. Huh? It's an ontological change, meaning it's changed the being. So when a priest gets ordained, his soul or his being is totally different. So it now has the power to uh, change the bread and wine to body, blood, soul, and divinity of Christ. And he has the authority to forgive sins. You know, so that happens because of the change that happens in ordination. Now, again, it doesn't make the priest better. You know, too often people think that priests are better than everybody else. We are the servants of everybody else. We are in persona Christi Capitus, in the person of Christ, the head, especially when we say Mass. But again, we're here to serve. And the best thing about that is we have to always make sure that we don't try to bring people to us, but we bring people to Jesus. And sometimes we get all caught up into ourselves and our priesthood. And I'm a priest and everybody got to listen to me and all that stuff. And, you know, there used to be a saying in seminary, when priests were priests and nuns were nuns and the laity knew their place. Isn't that horrible? But people used to say it all the time. And that isn't the church of Jesus Christ. That isn't what Jesus Christ instituted. He instituted people, you know, again at the Last Supper when he instituted the sacrament. Remember in John's gospel, what does he do at the sacrament? Uh, so we go here to John and we're going to go to chapter 13, which is one of my favorite chapters of the Bible because of chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. But here in chapter 13, verse 1, before he gives us the commandment to love, he goes and he washes their feet. And then after he washes their feet, it says, verse 12, after he washed their feet, he put his cloak on and reclined the table once more. And he said to them, do you understand what I just did for you? You address me as teacher and Lord, and fittingly enough, for that is what I am. But if I have washed your feet, I who am the teacher and the Lord, then you must wash each other's feet. What I just did was to give you an example. As I have done, so you must do. So as Pope Francis, you know, after he was made a Pope 10 years ago, uh, the first thing he did is... Uh, Holy Thursday came up and he, instead of washing the cardinal's feet and making a clerical reality, he went over to a prison and he washed men and women's feet and he washed a Muslim girl's feet to show that Christ came to save all people. And priests are here to be the instruments of salvation to all people. A priest is always called to do two things. And not just one. First of all, we're called to be shepherds. And most uh, pastors are good shepherds. We take care of our sheep. Uh, we protect them. We teach them the truth. We feed them with the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Because that's part of the reality of what Christ calls us to do. But the second thing Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. And so the job of all priests isn't just to say the mass and uh, bring forth the sacraments, but it's to bring salvation to the world. 
to be fishers of men. So that means we go out to where they are. And so this is part of the institution. Now, there is no Catholic Church without priests, without bishops, without the Holy Father. We are a church that has ordained ministers and necessary because that's the way Christ did it. He had the 12 apostles and um, and because he had them, the purpose of the apostles was to show the world Jesus and the commission. He says, go out and um, preach the gospel to all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit. In uh, Acts of the Apostles, he says, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and then you shall be my witnesses. So part of the problem is I think that today is priests focus on one or the other. But it's, again, not an either-or issue. It's a both issue. And if, if we're not people that serve, then we're not doing what we need to be doing. And I often, at, uh, when I'm examining my conscience, I sit there and I'm thinking, you know, do, do I serve enough? Like my serving isn't like um, going to soup kitchens and that. Even though I'm always thinking maybe that's what God's calling me to. But it would put even more stuff on, um, you know, there's so much in my life, what I'm doing. And so, like, my serving is, like, during this mission. I mean, every night speaking for two hours, hearing confessions for an hour and a half last night, but bringing people who hadn't been in confession in 50 years, 40 years, 35 years, 40 years, 42 years, uh, back home. And so it's a giving of my life in that way. And so... I got to make sure, though, that I'm laying down my life for everybody and not just being a person that's filled with any kind of pride or arrogance because I am out there preaching. That's not what God calls me to, and it's not what God calls any priest to, uh, the arrogance and the pride or the focused on self or the bringing people to self. It's always about bringing salvation to everybody. And that's why, again, for priests, we got to make sure that we're not just, uh, you know, it doesn't become a job for us. You know, if priesthood ever becomes just a job, then again, how sad that would be in my life and for other priests' lives. But it can happen, but it shouldn't happen. So first, you just got to pray that priests stay faithful to their calling. And the calling is, again, to make uh, bring salvation to all people to bring salvation to all people, to bring salvation to all people. And then once they come to salvation, to feed them with the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus, to forgive them the authority of God. huh? And so, again, let's look at the reality of the two things priests get to do. When a priest wears a stole, it shows he has power and authority. He has the power to change the bread and wine into the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus Christ. Now, if you put your hands over bread and say, this is my body, what happens? Nothing, because you don't have the power. Now, not in a, not in a bad sense, you know, it's just given that way so priests can be faithful to Jesus and bring people and feed them to everlasting life. So it's a gift that God gave him. But again, every gift that the priest has isn't given to them for them. Like, I can't look in the mirror and say, uh, uh, Larry, are you sorry for your sins? And I look back at myself and say, oh, yes, Father, I'm sorry for my sins. Well, then, Larry, I absolve you of your sins. I can't forgive myself my sins. Huh? I can't baptize myself. I can't do anything myself. Even the Mass always has to be for other people. You know, it's not a selfish act. You know, it's what I always am most crazy about. Like last night, I was making sure I was telling all the people, and I get very hot about this, that there's nothing worse, in my opinion, than spiritual selfishness. You know, that I have to make sure that I'm getting all my sacraments and I'm putting me first. And, you know, I better go to confession before everybody else. And all that kind of stuff just drives me completely crazy. But priests can be that way, too. You know, I'm a priest, so, you know, you have to take care of me. And, and um, it's just not the call of God for any of us. God gives us all the gifts that we have whether you're a priest or a lay person, to build up the body of Christ, to feed others, not just to take care of yourself. 
It's always about giving away our life. Remember, again, you've heard this past week in the readings where Jesus says, no one can be my disciple unless you pick up your cross every day, deny your very self and follow in my footsteps. So today, when too much of Christianity is focused on Jesus, what you, can you do for me? We got to get back to what Jesus called us to, to be a disciple. It's deny ourselves, pick up our cross every day and follow in his footsteps. And that is a life of service. So we got to, got to, got to be doing that, even when it's hard. And again, that's just part of the reality. So we got to, uh, again, like I told the people last night or two nights ago, we got to pray for priests and we got to pray for more vocation because no priest, no Eucharist. But then also he has the power to forgive sins. And, you know, again, sometimes it says, well, where does it say in the Bible that the uh, priest has the ability to forgive sins? And again, let's just stay in John's gospel. And in John's gospel, right after the resurrection, and it's interesting here, isn't it? This is John chapter... 21, I know it's uh, chapter 20, John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says, peace be with you. And then he said again, as the father has sent me, so I send you. So again, a priest is sent. Then he breathed on them. Again, breathe is from Ruah, the Hebrew, uh, it's the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive men's sins, they are forgiven them. If you hold them bound, they are held bound. So Jesus gave the priests the power and the authority to forgive sins. Isn't it interesting? He doesn't say here, if I forgive them. He says, if you forgive them. Why? Because again, the priest is in the person of Christ when he's in the midst of that sacrament. It's Christ forgiving you through the priest who is in the person of Christ. That's why there's got to be a respect for priesthood, but not a pillar or, or putting people on a pedestal. Respect, yes. Pedestal, no. Two entirely different realities. Now, again, some priests like pedestals. But as I learned many years ago, whenever you're putting a pedestal by anybody, you fall off quickly when they find out you're just as human as everybody else. You know, it's just part of the reality. So we got to make sure where it says in the Bible that the priest has uh, power and authority. But the power and authority is because of Jesus, not because of the priest. So it's the priest that forgives you, just like when you... Uh, you go get surgery because you have cancer or something. It's the doctor who operates on you, but it's God who brings the healing. So we got to know that the power of the priesthood is a great thing. Again, no priest, no forgiveness, no priest, no uh, Eucharist. So it's very, very necessary. We need priests more than ever. And we don't need priests that want to be priests or everybody will know they're a priest. We need priests who are willing to lay down their life for other people because that's what Christ did. And if a priest is going to be Christ, he must be Christ. Huh? Years ago when I was uh, at uh, in Rome and, uh, and I was at a, staying at a particular seminary, and it's much different now, but I would walk, I was on sabbatical, and I would walk by where the seminarians were in the morning. <laughs> I'd walk by them and three would walk by me every day and I'd say, good morning. And they'd turn their heads. Next day I'd walk by and I'd say, good morning. They would turn their heads. Next day I walked by and the three guys are walking by me. I said, good morning. And they ignored me. So I said, gentlemen, get back here. And I said, you'll acknowledge I'm a living, breathing human being when you walk by me in the morning. Do you understand me? And he says, oh, Father, you scare us. I said, I darn well better scare you. Isn't that nice? But I was sitting there thinking, here's guys aren't even priests yet. And yet they can't even acknowledge another human being besides being a priest, just another human being. And so 
We can never be like that. That is never of Jesus. So we got to pray for priests, but we got to be priests that are other-centered. So pray for your priests that they're always other-centered. They're not here. We're not here to have everybody obey us. We are here to serve everybody. Now, part of it is teaching, and part of it is teaching truth. And uh, as a shepherd, uh, calling people to obedience to the truth, not obedience to me. And that's a, uh, that's a temptation from the evil one when we try to get people to obey us. Obey the truth, not me. And so, again, so your biggest thing, if you will, is pray for priests and then pray for more vocations to the priesthood and religious life. Because, boy, more than ever, we need it. We need young men that are willing to lay down their life for others. And again, part of Holy orders is diaconate, which is, you know, you got lie of anything. Diaconate is service, 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 service. You know, when they brought the deacons year when, you know, in Acts of the Apostles, and it says, it's not right for us to serve tables, Peter said. He says, so we need to get others. So they got the deacons to serve tables. Sometimes, not again, not anybody deacons I know. But some deacons just don't want to be the ones that are serving tables. They want to preach. They want to do this. It's just part of the reality. But their main job, the main reason deacons were made deacons was to serve. You know, when we get into a, uh, when I was younger, the big fight was in seminary about women ordination and all that stuff. And uh, people were always fighting. And I always said it had nothing to do with ordination, it had everything to do with power. You know, who has power? Whether you're ordained or not, we can all serve. But what everybody wants and struggles for is power. And that's so inappropriate for all of us to be struggling for power. It has to be, I'm here to serve, whatever the Lord calls me. And again, uh, John Paul II made it clear that women cannot be ordained. Why? Because Christ didn't ordain them. But everyone is a priest. You know, by, by baptism, we're ordained priest, prophet, and king. So men have, and some men, have the call to ordination. But all priests, all people are priests. And we all do it in different ways. Huh? It, it's all, we all do it in different ways. So at Mass, when I say, the Lord be with you, that's uh, that's uh, me using my priesthood. And when you say it also with you, that's you using yours, right? And so the greatest uh, priest uh, who wasn't ordained, if you will, was the Blessed Mother. She brought forth Christ, the Eucharist, the true bread of life to the world. But her job wasn't as an ordained priest. Her job was different. But her job was greater than my life as a priest. So all of us, if we don't focus on power, but we focus on service, then we can all fit into what God has called us to. And then some of us priests are made bishops, and the bishops are the apostles of Christ. They stand as the apostles. And we as priests get our priesthood from them. That's why it's always so wrong when priests go against their bishop, because it's the bishop that has the fullness of orders, not the priest. And he finds his fullness in his father, the bishop. And it's important for us to be under the authority of our bishop. You know, and I, I've said that you know a lot today, haven't I? Well, I don't know. It must be my tick that I'm thinking of today. But, you know, you know, we're going to do it again. The, the point of uh, that we are all of service. So for me to be under obedience to my bishop, even when there are times, you know, this bishop and I get along quite well by God's grace, but the old bishop and I, God rest him, didn't get along well. And we would argue and we'd go back and forth, but he always knew. And he'd pulled a card a lot on me that I would always obey. Because I made a promise, respect and obedience. And sometimes we priests have to go back to what, we, what we've said. I will respect and I'll obey my bishop. And of course, with that, it goes unsaid under my bishop. Uh, beyond my bishop is the Holy Father 
And uh, I got to be respect and obedience, respect and obedience, respect and obedience. That's how I prove that I have at least a little bit of humility. Huh? And so with all of us, I mean, priesthood is one of the greatest gifts on this earth because it makes Christ physically present through a human being. But again, Christ is present in you. Also, again, Galatians 2, 19 and 20, I have been crucified with Christ. The life I live now is no longer my own. Jesus Christ lives inside of me. So again, as the word of God says, all of us are members of the body of Christ. The priest is part of the body of Christ, the head. So we're in the person of the head of Christ, but every one of us have Christ within us. And that's why I just, we gotta, we just gotta be people who really pray for vocations because we really need them. And like I told the people two nights ago, I says, uh, the church is struggling with vocations now. And whose fault is that? And they said, ours. And I go, absolutely correct. You and I got to be praying for vocations. And uh, when I was a young boy, my father thought uh, I couldn't tell my dad. In fact, I was petrified to tell my dad I was going to seminary. I was 17 years old and I went to high school seminary. My dad was a cop and he always wanted me to be a lawyer. And so how, how, how wimpy I was then as I took my girlfriend, Gail, uh, to tell my dad I was going to seminary. Does that make any sense? Yeah, you laugh. Go ahead. But you didn't know my dad. You know, so that way I knew he couldn't go too crazy because my girlfriend was there. And of course, it was I told her first and um, she wasn't a happy camper either. I'll never forget when I told her um, she ran into the house crying. My mother could have cared one way or the other. Nobody in my family was very supportive except for my grandmother. So when I entered, my father used to write me letters when I entered seminary and say, you know, I don't uh, think you should be there. Not because you don't have the ability for it. He just thinks that he just thought with the way I talk and everything, I should be a lawyer. Can you imagine? I couldn't even be a canon lawyer. All that stuff bores the heck out of me. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so again, I want to be a priest who evangelizes, who bring people to Christ. But again, we all got to be doing our part with that. Okay. So just to give you a little bit of heads up, the spirituality of ordination, of holy orders. Uh, again, next week, we will focus on, again, I know that some of you weren't very interested in today's topic because most of you are not priests, but next week we'll talk about the sacrament of the sick, um, which all of us uh, have already got it a couple of times, you know, uh, this past uh, two years, especially kind of weird. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll talk about that next week. Okay, you got it? You get it? You're going to live it? Nature know his love today and forever. Amen. And I'm sorry I'm a little out of the weather, so I'm a little out of it. Uh, so now we'll come back and we'll go into the questions. So, hi, 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 Harry. Everybody, Julie, good. Safe travels. Father Larry, did you have any Skyline Chili? It's Jen's favorite. I'm not supposed to have it because there's too many carbs, but I thought today I says, okay, I'm going to try it. Again, like the pastor told me yesterday uh, when I asked about it, and he says, well, it's not really chili. And it's not. It's not chili. It's like a sauce that you put on to, like I got on a hot dog today. And it's just, uh, there's not much meat in it. And it's Kind of, it's not chilly. You know, I just don't get it. But yes, it was it was okay. For people in Cincinnati, I'm very sorry. I know it's a big thing here, but I just don't get it. Um, but yes, I did it because I figured I had to do it. And um, yes, also, did you remind everyone Jesus is Taylor fan? I sure did. I got booed. Anyway, my shoulders ache. The sisters had me cultivating vegetable garden. Can you please advise how to say no to a nun? It's impossible to say no to a nun, Harry. Don't you know that? The only way to say no is don't be around them. I mean, that's why I always go down to uh, um, Alhambra, you know, with the Sacred Heart nuns, the uh, 
they're fantastic uh, group of nuns out in Alhambra, California. They run the Sacred Heart Retreat House. And so they're always asking me to do uh, men's conferences and that for them and re retreats. And I always say no. And then I always say, okay, you know, I can't say no to the sisters. That's always been one of my things. But yes, Harry, it's impossible. Today is my dad's birthday. He's 91. Oh, happy birthday to your dad, Cheryl. Yes, Julie, will pray for that. Hi, Father Larry, praying for you. Okay, I'm with you on the sinuses. I've having issues for about two months now. Mine. Hopefully, I don't have that that long. I have to get over this now. I'm taking too many pills. As well, Father, because my dad's with my your mom, and yes, they're looking down on us. Yes, they are, Cheryl. And that's okay. It's still hard, but it's okay. My niece had her first confession. The priest asked to speak to her dad. The priest said that my niece said in her confession that she wasn't going to mask and ask why. Is that breaking the seal? It's absolutely breaking the seal. That priest absolutely, absolutely broke the seal. He should be reported. Well, you should first you should talk to the priest. They should talk to the priest. But after that, uh, he should be reported because he absolutely broke the seal. The exact opposite of anything he's ever supposed to do. He broke the seal. Absolutely. That priest is in the wrong. Oh, my. How would you explain adoration to children who are unfamiliar with this form of prayer and adults? Again, until someone comes to know Jesus, it's going to be very hard for them to go to adoration. Because they're just going to think it's some ritual. Like my uh, my deacons last semester went and took my uh, the, our grade school religious ed people to adoration. And it wasn't a good experience for them because the kids don't know Jesus. So um, I'm just a big one. Before you do that, like, like tonight, we'll have adoration here at the parish. But I will give a half hour explanation about what adoration is. That Jesus said, this is my body. Jesus said, this is my blood. He says, I am with you always. <coughs> he said, you will recognize me in the breaking of the bread. And then I'll talk about how Jesus stays with us. And the God the universe cannot contain is here. Just as really as he was here when he walked the face of the earth and people he healed and all the things that happened, Jesus Christ is truly present in the blessed sacrament. And I'll talk about that for a half hour. And I'll talk about the power of the Eucharist. And I'll talk about the healing that takes place just by being in his presence. Just like people came into the presence of Jesus when he walked the earth. And they were healed just by being in the presence of Jesus in the blessed sacrament. One can be healed. All miracles can take place. That this is the God of the universe. But that got to be entering into this relationship with Jesus before they enter into the ritual. Now, it's been uh, said, I think it was uh, uh, Thomas Merton, when he was young, he'd go into churches and he just knew there was something there. And he knew that God was somehow present there. And so God can also make himself known. But the way God normally does things is before God gives the commandments, he first sets his people free from slavery. So we got to make sure that children know that they're loved by God. And again, like when a person goes to pray, there is no place on this earth that you and I are more loved than when we come into the presence of Jesus in the most blessed sacrament. No place on this earth. So... When they know that they're going to come in front of Jesus and there they are going to be loved by him and they're called to love him back, to be with the one they love and to be with the one who loves them. That'll get them more excited about adoration instead of just you're going to go and spend uh, some time in front of that monstrance with a piece of bread in it. They're not going to get it. So always make it relational, personal. And as they grow in that, they'll grow in love for Jesus and the most blessed sacrament. Okay. Afternoon, all. At my old parish, the priest gave anyone who attended a sheet of suggested prayers for contemplation. And that's good. But again, I always, uh, I'm always trying to get people to listen, not just talk. You know, so a woman came to me the other day after I talked about the importance of listening. And she was saying that... Uh, you know, she's saying all these novenas and she's saying, Father, do you think I should stop saying novenas and listen to God? I go, yes. 
And so I, and I said, listen, you can pray a lot of novenas and you can pray them every day because she was praying one that goes on for 12 years, the prayer of St. Bridget or whatever. So whatever. And I says, but there's someone else's prayers. Now, after I shocked her, I said, now, I'm not saying you can't pray novenas, but I am saying you got to be listening more than you're talking. Just hear me. You got to be more listening than talking. And instead of saying someone else's prayer, the thing that helps you go into contemplation is if you spend time with the Holy Word of God, because now God's speaking to you. You're having an encounter with the risen Lord in his word. And now you can enter into contemplation much more quickly than just saying a bunch of prayers that someone else said. Okay. Is confirmation all considered ontological change too? Yes, but it's a it's like yeah, filling the what happens at baptism. It's part of the reality. Can't uh, anyone give the last rites with anointing oil? I gave both my parents blessings. No, they can't. Uh, you, yes, you can. You can anoint them, but it's not last rites in any way, shape, or form. All as it is is uh, an anointing of oil. The last rites, deacons can't give it. Only priests can give the last rites. Why? Because it involves also the forgiveness of sins. Huh? So like tonight when I anoint everybody with St. Joseph's oil, this isn't the liter uh, the anointing of the sick. And we'll talk about this next week. It's an uh, anointing with the oil of St. Joseph. It's like a sacramental. But I have to make it very clear this is not the anointing of sick. It's not extreme unction, as they used to call it, whatever. It's just none of those things. But lay people do not have the power to do that. Uh, again, Christ is always present to people. But when it comes to the sacrament, only priests can do that. Okay. Okay, Julie, dear father, is that Pope Francis behind you? Yes, it is. See, he's so good. He's looking over my shoulder, which everybody tries. Really getting into the Lent challenge of two chapters a day, my best ever so far. Um, yes, I've been doing it, and it's been very, very helpful for me, too, in, uh, in my walk. And I'm sitting there thinking, I know this, but it's amazing how when you're just writing it down, I've been writing, you know, in the journals, and again, I encourage you, if you haven't been doing it, spend some time. You can still go into our website, St. Joseph, uh, stjoesbol.org, and it's right there. Um, you can download the sheet of paper, and you can catch up with doing the readings. But you start a, a journal, and you put in there getting to know Jesus, and then every day you sit there and say, "Who? what is Jesus saying? What is he doing? And it's just fantastic. Like in Matthew's gospel, the, the biggest thing I've been surprised by is how much he healed people. He was constantly, constantly healing people. I mean, constantly. It was I've never realized that so much. He was also feeding people already. He fed 5,000 and 4,000 two different times. Again, it's been just to see how he deals with people how we deal. It's fantastic. So again, I encourage you to do that. And again, if you are in Erie area this uh, weekend, we do have this Saturday, we do have our men's conference, 2232 men. And so uh, please, all men, you need to come I'm speaking at it. So you've already heard me, but the other is Father Chad, who used to be a uh, professional uh, soccer player. And it's only from like nine eight thirty or nine o'clock in the morning to one o'clock in the afternoon. The bishop's going to be there, have mass, we'll have confessions and everything else. It's a fantastic day, and I encourage you to come. And again, I'm going to make one last uh, uh, pitch for our trip to the Holy Land. You can still get in on it. We have like ten spaces left. Um, like I said, we have 70 some people there going now, but it's May 10th. So it's coming up very fast. It's 11 days. Um, so I encourage you just go and put Father Larry Richards and the Holy Land in Google and it'll come up selectors and everything and you can get up and do that. So very good. Okay. What respect I try to be. I'm not home yet, Audrey. I'm still in Cincinnati. I'll get uh, I'll get home. I'm going to drive after the mission tonight. I'm going to drive about an hour and 45 minutes to Columbus. And then uh, in Columbus, I'll get a hotel. They got the hotel. And then I'm going to meet with uh, 
some great guys that are on my board for the foundation, take them at breakfast, and then head back to Erie for the speaker's dinner tomorrow night for the men's conference and then speak at the men's conference on uh, Saturday. And then it's done early enough so that I can go and say mass and hear confessions at the parish and do everything else. And next week I'll be in town. The following week I'll be in Sherman, Texas, uh, doing a parish mission there. So the least we'll be home next week. That'll be good. Ah, Barbara, can you explain why they put the wine in the chalice before mass instead of the offertory? Can you explain why they put the wine in the chalice before mass? Um, I don't do that, so I don't know why they do it in your place. A.K.A. Pagan Paul. Hi, Father. Hi, Paul. Good to hear from you and Jolie. One priest down here in Pittsburgh Diocese said to not pray for vocations. Pray for holy vocations. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he didn't want to have bodies in the priesthood. God will take care of that. Uh, I bet Gail is the happy camper now. Avoided a life. Like, yeah, yeah. Hi, Father Larry. This is a much needed talk, and I can tell the topic is heavy on your heart. Does there ever get to a point where it's acceptable to disobey? It's very acceptable to disobey if you're called to do something sinful. Like if I'm called to someone, one of my superiors says, I want you to uh, kill somebody, or I want you to have sex outside of marriage, or I want you um, to do something, a mortal sin, that I would have to disobey, of course. Uh, but normally, I mean, again, when you read Pope, uh, not Pope Benedict, you read St. Benedict and obedience, and, you know, the Jesuits about obedience, and obedience is one of the things we must uh, do. But again, everybody in this world, especially in America, and this is an overgeneralization. But they only want to obey themselves. You know, when the priest sits here and says, the Holy Father is wrong, what's he saying? You listen to me. I know more than the Holy Father. And what arrogance. Or I know more than my bishop. Or I know more than this. And again, when a person's not speaking out of humility, then every red flag should go up. So, um, yes, there are times you have to disobey if they call you to sin. But that's a personal sin. They tell you to say something uh, wrong. But again, um, like again, when they talk about Francis and they say, oh, he's a heretic. You're the heretic for calling the Pope a heretic. Thank you very much. Okay. Do, do, do. Thank you, Father. Larry, Mike, and strengthen your brothers at St. Louis. Thank you. We I haven't been uh, uh, at St. Louis for their men's conference in years. I don't know. We have so few priests in our diocese. They're closing churches, daily mass, only four days a week. Yeah, more and more places doing that. Jillian Metformin, upset stomach. Better not be. Um, thanks, Paul, for, you know, raining my parade. Father, are you going to live stream the adoration, praise, and worship tonight? I have no idea um, if they are. I hope they do, um, but I have no idea. Since I'm not there, uh, we'll see. I'm very grateful for all you share online, your homilies, your scripture quotes, and messages every morning and evening. Thank you, Carol. Father Larry, your mission at St. Cecilia is so very moving and powerful. You had the 61-year-old getting emotional at times. Thank you. Well, thanks for watching us, Robert, and thanks for coming to the mission. I get people emotional. It's part of what it is. I get emotional, too, if you can tell. Hi, Father. Anyway, you can start this at 3.30 after Divine Mercy. I know your schedule is busy. We're going to start later on at night eventually. We're going to put it in fifth day. I just uh, got someone that's going to help us do this. Um, but again, we're not just being watched here. Uh, if I waited an hour later, then the people in you know, Central, they watch out there too. So uh, I'd have to do it like much later. You know, so we're working on when's going to be the best time. But I've always, even on AWTN, I, I, I did it at 3 o'clock, so. You can always just watch it later on and ask questions uh, by sending emails. Okay. Have you ever shown your pup on the show? I love that you have a dog. Secondly, do you believe we will see our pets in heaven? Um, yes, one of these days I'm going to show. The reason I haven't is because I've always been up at the foundation um, during my show. And so I've never brought Joe up to the foundation. So, but if I do one it from the parish one of these days or my office, here's Mr. In the, if I ever do it there, then I will, uh, I'll show Joe. Joe's getting, uh, he's getting old. 
I've been thinking about him a lot these last days because, again, like I say, he doesn't care for me as much as he cares for uh, uh, Diane, who has him now. And you can always tell he's always just looking at me like he does. Like Diane says, oh, he always wants to cuddle. No, he never wants to cuddle with me. When I get on the couch to, to pet him, he gets off the couch. <laughs> it's just like uh, I've never had a dog like this. But anyway, he'll come around. Maybe. Uh, but I, yes, I believe ha our pets get to go to heaven. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, and the church doesn't teach one way or the other. Thomas Aquinas did, but not officially a teaching. Pope Francis said, you'll see your pets in heaven. So I like, if it comes between Thomas Aquinas and Pope Francis, I'm following Pope Francis because Thomas Aquinas wasn't the Pope. Have you ever shown you? No. Okay. We're reading the reading challenge with our kiddos. Good job, Gabby. Audrey, thank you for becoming a priest. We need you to clone and love evangelization. To clone your love and evangelizing our tech priests are awesome. Thanks for advising. Thank you, Audrey. Churches in our area are locked immediately after mass. That is so sad. I mean, one of the best things here I found at all these churches are unlocked in here. Beautiful churches. This St. Cecilia Church is beautiful. We don't have a church in our diocese like this. And then right down the road, they have another church in Hyde Park called St. Mary's. Beautiful. And then three miles down the road. The other way is St. Francis de Sales Church. Beautiful. I mean, I cannot get over the beautiful churches in the Cincinnati area, but they have to start clustering because why? They don't have enough priests. We need more priests. Um, thank you, Father, for explaining so well. Carol, I'm so grateful that you love Pope Francis. So many people think they are holier than Pope Francis. <laughs> You got that right. They think they're holier than the Pope. They think they're better than the Pope. They pray for the death of the Pope, literally, and they do all these horrendous things. And like I said last night, the sin of detraction can be a mortal sin. And that means they're trying to tear down someone's reputation. So we have these holy, quote, unholy, uh, quote, holy, unquote, people who think that by their sin of detraction against the Pope trying to uh, pull him down, destroy his reputation is a thing of God, but it's mortal sin, objectively, serious sin. Now, whether it's mortal for them, whether they know it, uh, whether they have full knowledge and full consent is another thing altogether. But God is never, God is never present in mortal sin. Never. So, Whenever anybody goes and they yell and scream and they do it here on me and they say, you're nuts. Well, that's all nice, but you're sinning while you do that. Thank you very much. And so God can't be present in your sin. Just a thought. And there's no humility there. No humility, no truth. Ah, I totally agree. I am watching from Brisbane, Australia. When I was in Australia, I was in Brisbane. I was in... Uh, um, Sydney and Perth and what's the other one? Melbourne. Yes. Three days each. It was oh, very exhausting, but I loved Australia. What I didn't love Australia about Australia is those miserable, big uh, spiders you got. We had them all over. Tim and Staples and I were staying at a, at a uh, Benedictine monastery and I hear this yell and Tim is sitting there and he, there's, that they're that big. they're that big these uh, huntsman spiders this big this big this big 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 and so and I'm not kidding I'm not exaggerating either and so he had one on the wall so he threw his shoe at it and it fell it didn't hurt him and he turned around like to attack him and then Tim I killed him I said so I took my bed and put it off the wall down there it was like uh, this is it and then I'm giving a talk and in the church there and this was I think in Sydney or outside of Sydney uh, it was all the women. And as it was all the women, there was a um, one of those big uh, lizards came up and it's walking down the aisle and the women aren't even phased. And then it goes up and it just starts running up and it runs up a woman's pant leg and in her pant leg and then finally comes back out. And the women finally cornered this thing. It was this big. And <coughs> the men finally came and got it out. But I thought, are you kidding me? Honest to goodness. So, uh, but I loved it. Brisbane. It's Friday, 6.40 a.m. Uh, thanks from John, especially for your Twitter uh, scripture post. Well, thank you uh, very much, John, for doing that. I want to get back to uh, Australia. So uh, 
Mike, who's up in Perth, which was fantastic, man. He kept telling me there's black swans and we didn't see any. But anyway, uh, I love Perth. Perth, you have a very blessed down there. It's a great reality. But anyway, okay. Praise, pray. Okay, Julie. Margaret, have you heard the description that Jesus had an ambush predator? Any thoughts? Have you heard the description that Jesus was a ambushed predator? Predator. I have not heard that. I don't even know what that means, Margaret, to tell you the truth. Um, there you go. Australia is a long fright, flight. It was 15 and a half hours from um, Los Angeles. But it was an easy flight. I was quite surprised. And the way over, uh, because you fly all night, uh, I'm thinking, how am I going to, because you lose a day on the way over. I said, how am I going to uh, say my mass in OER today? So in the middle of the night, as everybody slept, I uh, just pulled my tray down in, uh, in the airplane and I said mass. And then I stopped at the Our Father, did my OER, and then said the Our Father and received communion. So I said, see, I still got to say mass every day. And it was a uh, fantastic. I really enjoyed myself uh, in both uh, Melbourne and uh, Sydney. But I love Perth as the other places were trying to kill me. I'd give three talks a day and uh, I never even got good coffee there. I said, I just want a good cup of coffee because everywhere we were going, they would have uh Instant coffee. Who does instant coffee today? Especially here in Melbourne is like, that's one of their things is coffee. But we were having instant coffee in these retreat centers and that I was at. So anyway, um, it was fantastic. So got to get here and got to start getting out of here uh, to get ready for tonight. But let's see here from Father John Ricardo, the Rescue Project. Oh, I still, I love Father John Ricardo. I think he's uh much holier man than me, a much better man than me, a much better preacher than me. He's a good, 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 good man. I encourage you to follow Father Ricardo. I just got a request to pray for Bobby. He is on a dying bed. Please keep him in your prayers. He is a grandpa, a family friend. Absolutely. Let's pray for uh, Bobby. Bobby will get to go to eternal life in heaven. Okay. So I got to leave here a little early today. So, uh, I'm just sitting there and ask you to keep praying for me. Pray for me. I have a safe trip tonight and a safe trip tomorrow. And that the Lord uh, heals me so I can do his work and not just spend like a lot of time I've been spending these last couple of days in bed. So what I can do and I get enough energy to get what I got to do tonight. I've been sick a lot this year. It's ridiculous. Anyway, the Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, I pray for you every day and that I love you. God bless you.